Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching this video with us today. We've got my friend, Pastor Justin Leisure, on the line with us, and he is going to be talking with us for a little while about the local church in the New Testament here, and uh, we're going to talk about this. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 3, verse 21, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And then also in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says, but if I tarry long, thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And I tell you what, today I saw a painting years ago where someone explained and said that Satan does not want to attack the world. He already has the world. But what Satan wants is he wants to attack the church because he's trying to infiltrate there. I think of a lot of good quotes by old Vance Havner, one of the great preachers of yesteryear. And he said, Satan does not try to assault churches. He tries to join churches. And he does more damage from joining a church and working from within than he does from any type of pressure from without. And so we're going to talk about all kinds of things pertaining to the local church here with Pastor Justin Leisure. He is the pastor of the East Valley Baptist Church in Mesa, Arizona, and I've been there for a long time. Pastor Leisure, thank you for coming on with us today. Yeah, good to see you, Brother Smith. Amen. Well, uh, me and Brother Leisure have been friends a long time. Well, uh, Brother, Brother Leisure, I tell you, churches today, um, it's like Baskin-Robbins ice cream flavors. There's all different kinds. If you want one that uh, pertains to the, you know, the blue-collar church, there's the white-collar church, the old people church, the young people church, there's the hipster church, there's the, you know, the Donald Trump, you know, country music loving church. You know, it's like Baskin Robbins flavors. But what does the Bible say that the church ought to be? Let's talk about stuff like that. And uh, let's just try to examine this subject. So Brother Leisure, you take the take the helm and you just tell us what does the Bible actually say? All right. Well, uh, I would agree with you on that, that Baskin Robbins statement. And uh, it's, you know, you talk to people at the door or anything else and people always want, you know, the religion's always this divisive thing. And you know, I always talk about, well, you know, why is there, there, there's all these different religions, there's all these different churches, because they believe different things. Mm -hmm. Yet, in the realm of Christianity, they all, for the most part, hold to the Bible to some degree. They, they say they believe the Bible to some degree. They say they base what they believe off the Bible to some degree. Uh, but obviously, it just cannot be true, because that book is, is, is settled, it's solid, and it's unchanging. Uh, yet we see all kinds of change going on in the churches and we see all kinds of different beliefs in the churches. Mm -hmm. and, and truth of the matter is, you know, uh, we're, we're approaching a, a, a day even where uh, within what are good churches, what churches that actually do want to adhere to the Bible. And, and you can even find a multitude of flavors within those. Yeah. Sure. And, uh, and it has to be the simple fact of people have just left the word of God out of the equation when it comes to the church. Hmm. And, um, you know, it, it begins by this, uh, the, the church is no longer a priority to most people. Yeah. And, uh, e even, even in solid churches, people have a, a low commitment level, uh, to the work. You know, it's, it's often been said that, uh, 10% of the people do 90% of the work, 90% of the giving, you know, and you've heard all those statistics. And, and in most places, it's very true. There is a low commitment level from the average Christian. Uh, there, there's so much in this life that pulls at us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have to choose, you know, we have to choose what's going to be the priority. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously, the, there's a multitude of things in our life that are important. Our walk with the Lord is important our right. personal walk with him. Our family is important. Our children are important. Uh, serving the Lord is important. But one of the things on that list has to be we have to purpose in our life to make uh, the local New Testament church a priority. You know, and obviously we're, we're focused on a local church. There's those that believe in a, a universal church. There's those that don't believe in a universal church. But truth of the matter is, what, what, wherever you land in, in that spectrum, most people uh, believe that believers are to gather in a local visible assembly together. Sure. And, and that's what has been thrown aside. That's what's been not made a priority. And, uh, and, and people will skip church for the, the littlest insignificant things. Mm -hmm. And it just ought not to be that way because truth of the matter is, is although Christians as a whole may not be making church a priority, uh, the Lord still does. Sure. He, he's, he's made it a priority since it started, and 
it's going to be a priority until he calls it home. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And Sunday should be the Lord's Day, of course. And then also, I believe in Wednesday night service, we have those. But, uh, um, you know, I've always said this. I said that, you know, sporting events should not be an excuse to miss church. Church should be an excuse to miss everything else as Amen. far as all that t- together, you know? And when I first got saved, I was 18 years old and I, I made a commitment before God. And I said, Lord, I've been out of church for 18 years, all of my life. And I said, Jesus, from here on out, I'm just going to block that off. The Lord's day, if they're having meeting, I'm a going, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to hear the preaching, the word of God. And, um, and I, I think this is, this is where we're at today. We have people who say that they're committed to Christ, Brother Leisure, but they have no loyalty to the local church. And I find it to be an oxymoron. I don't know how you can You, you can't that. separate the two. It's impossible. Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, that's, that's the Lord's the, bride. The, the church is his body, and that's, you know, that's something I'll bring up here in a second. But you, you, you cannot separate the two. You might be able to in your mind, but the Lord doesn't separate the two. It's like trying to separate Jesus Christ from the Word of God. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You can't sure. do it. The, the only Jesus you ought to know is the Jesus of the Bible, the one that it describes. Sure. And, and God has made, in that book, God has made the, the local church a priority. Absolutely. And that's, you know, you know, Brother Lee, you and I have been friends a long time, but, you know, it, it would be hard for me to say, man, you and I are best buddies and I'm committed to you, but I have no use for your wife. You right. know, that, that would be weird. And, and, and I'm, I'm just using an example. Your wife's a wonderful lady and I have all the respect in the world for her as she's, she's a great woman. But like, it would be hard to be friends with a guy who just had no use for your bride. And the bride is the local church. And so you're saying that you love Jesus, but you have no use for the bride. Um, I, I don't know. That doesn't compute in my mind. Maybe it doesn't theirs, but in my mind, that just doesn't make sense. Right. And, uh, you know, the first mention of the word church in the Bible is found in Matthew chapter uh, 16 and verse number 18. Mm-hmm. And it's where Christ said, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, most people believe that a first mention of a word in scripture sets some type of standard for that word in the scriptures. Right. And uh, that's, that's usually a common teaching. And uh, when it comes to this matter of a church, there's several things that are set forth in that verse. Uh, we find that Christ is the foundation for it. He says this rock, of course, not referring to Peter, but referring to himself. Jesus Christ was that rock in the wilderness. He's the rock of ages. He's the rock all the way through scripture. And he's referring to himself. He's stating the fact that he is the foundation. Uh, to the church. Then we find this, that he says, I will build. You know, so many men have set out in the ministry to build a church and to build a work for God. Yeah. But it's not our responsibility to build a work for God. It's not my responsibility as a pastor to build a church. Jesus Christ said he would build the church. It is mine to let him use me and to gather material and, and to be willing to do whatever he wants me to do and to preach the truth and to go forth and to try and win souls. But ultimately, it is his work to build the church. Mm-hmm. And then we find this. He says, uh, my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church, which means it's his. Which means, you know, and I, I try not to, but it, it's, it's inevitable that every pastor uses that term. You know, they talk about my church. You know, mm-hmm. he's Valley Baptist Church. That's my church. And it, it is my church, and that's the church where I'm a member at. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the church where I'm committed at. Uh, but as a pastor, it's not mine to, to do what I want with it. Mm. It's the Lord Jesus Christ church, which right. means I, I really don't have any rights for it. I don't have a right to define it the way that I want to. I don't have a right to change it to whatever I want it to be. Uh, I, have, I have the liberty uh, to follow the Bible. I have the liberty to, to, to do with it what God wants done with it because it's his. Sure. And, uh, you know, we, we use the term church so loosely, you know, for some folks, the word church means a denomination, and that's not the case in the Bible. Uh, For some folks, the word church means a building, and that's not the case in the Bible. You know, the Bible never uses the term to describe church as either one of those things, not as a building, not as a denomination, and, uh, but rather the Bible makes it clear that the word church is a group of people. Mm -hmm. It's a group of people that ultimately are saved, baptized, and organized, and unified who meet together to do the work of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, within that, 
uh, you know, that's, that was Christ's desire of what to form. I believe uh, that, that Christ began to form that as he called out of his disciples. I believe the church existed in its infancy during the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And, uh, and then it was solidified at his death because the Bible says that he gave himself for it. And then obviously it was empowered on the day of Pentecost. Right. And since that day, since that day of Pentecost where God empowered it, which is Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter one on the Mount of Olives, he said, go back to Jerusalem and wait. Mm -hmm. He said, until the power comes, until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you are filled, I want you to wait. Hmm. And uh, which is a good principle even for today. Sure. Uh, we do so much work. Uh, we may not get into it, but we do so much work in the power of the flesh. It's, it's sad. Yeah. And uh, we, we ought to wait for that power. But, sure. um, but since he empowered it on the day of Pentecost, the church has been a priority in God's eyes ever since. Absolutely. It, it's not diminished one bit. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and that's why you find it. The New Testament consists of letters to churches, uh, doctrine given to churches, uh, letters given to pastors of those churches, almost the entire New Testament is sur surrounds the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's God's plan, of course. And, uh, you know, you talked about uh, waiting for the promise of the Father, Acts chapter 1, and uh, being endued with the power of the Holy Spirit there in Acts chapter 2. And, um, you know, there's so much today, so much activity, religious activity today yes. that is done in the power of the flesh. And really, um, I've known so many men that just say, just go, 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 go. But sometimes it's right to just wait. And uh, that's what we need to be doing. So let's talk about that for a moment. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to just take a season of just saying, you know, I'm going to get with God and you just get along with the Lord for a while. Uh, but there's people out there, man, they just go, go, go. And, and, and that's really not always God's plan. No. And, you know, one of the things, right or wrong, you know, this, this, is, this is how we've, we've organized and set up East Valley Baptist Church to operate is this way. Uh, we, we have tried to, to set ourselves up in a way where if something's going to happen and, and results are going to take place, then it is absolutely the work and the power of God that did it. In other, in other words, we try not to build into our quote unquote church program anything of, of a carnal fleshly nature that will produce results in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the, and here's the thing. We live in a day where churches have programs and systems and all of this stuff. And truth of the matter is at the end of the day, you know, so many people walk an aisle, make a profession of faith, all these different things. We had so many people in church, you know, we hear the boasting of all kinds of different things. But truth of the matter is, is most churches are set up to operate in a way that at the end of the day, although most pastors are not foolish enough to give themselves any credit or anybody else, we give the glory to God. That's the words that come out of our mouth. The truth of the matter is, is you wouldn't know whether what happened that day was produced by the power of God or by the power of that church's program. Mm, yeah. you, re you really can't tell the difference many times. Yeah, well, I think A.W. Tozer said this. He said, if, if the Holy Spirit removed himself from the earth, most churches will go along just fine having no idea anything happened. Absolutely. You know. And so we have set up in ourselves. And so, there, listen, the, the, the blessing of setting things up the way that we have set it up is that God can move and God gets all the glory. But I'm going to tell you, the, 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 the bitter pill to swallow and operating in that methodology. And I think it's why a lot of guys won't do that and why they do what I call prime the pump to some degree is that it is a very bitter pill to swallow after, after you've labored for a Sunday or you've labored for months on end, or you've labored for years on end. Listen, it has not been easy plowing out here for us. Yeah. And, and you know, some men may look at me and, and after the amount of time we've been here, you know, they, they would scoff at our quote unquote results. Hmm. But um, the, the, the bitter pill is this. When you look at something, you say, okay, nobody got saved this week. Or you look at it and you say, okay, nobody's been saved out door knocking. You know, we've knocked X number of doors and nobody's been saved. Um, you know, we plan to try and accomplish this and it didn't happen. The, the bitter pill to swallow when there's nothing to prime the pump is I know what the problem is. Mm. The problem was my ability to get a hold of God. The problem was this church's ability to get a hold of God and get his blessing on it. Sure, sure. And that's and, but, but truth of the matter is I would rather operate in that fashion knowing where the problem was than to go on in ignorance or blindness 
praising God for all these results that my church program is actually producing and not God. Yeah, sure, sure. Now, you know, I, I'm not against program or even promotion, but you can do all that without the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. And that's, that's where it gets dangerous. And, um, you know, I, I look back over the years and some of the churches that were big, big churches, um, you, you know, where they at today, you can't find them. And, right. uh, and or, or they, or they've changed everything that they were. They don't, they stand nowhere where they once stood. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's something that, uh, to me is, is, is problematic. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want there to be, I mean, like, uh, for example, the oldest Baptist church in Tennessee is Buffalo Ridge Baptist church. And they're, I mean, they're almost as old as the revolutionary war and they're still in, in existence today. And they, uh, they still are right. They're independent. They're fundamental. They're, they, you know, they have the right Bible, right doctrine, everything, you know, but it's, but there's a lot that have come and, you know, the test of time, they, they failed. And so it's really problematic. And I, I understand that. So, um, well, let, let's talk about this today. You know, we talk about the local church and the priority of the church, and we should make that really the, uh, make the Lord the center of our lives. And, and God's, God's plan is always going to be through the local church and with the local church. But, you know, let's talk about the purpose of the church. Why did God give the church? Why, you know, what is the point of even meeting with God's people every week? What's the, what is the purpose of all that? Well, you know, as I've searched the scriptures, I've come up with, with, with a, a list of things that, that is a purpose of the church. And uh, some may seem insignificant, but it is still something that God gave the church to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, within that, uh, you know, obviously, number one is, is God gave to the church the, the, the commission to evangelize the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we find it in Matthew 28. We find it in Mark 16. We, we find it in every one of the Gospels, and we find it in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that the gospel is to be preached through the entire world. And, uh, and truth of the matter is, is that's the main thing God has given us to do, but that's not the only thing God has given us to do. Right. And that's not the only purpose of the church. However, I do believe this, that every other purpose God has given the church to fulfill connects to that one main goal of evangelizing the world in some form or fashion. Wow. Even if it's a small thread, I believe it still attaches there for the purpose of getting the gospel out. And so obviously, you know, uh, a church is not trying to evangelize the world. And, and listen, that goes beyond having a, uh, some kind of online ministry or Twitter program. Uh, it, it goes to going out and physically trying to reach people, mm-hmm. you know, through knocking doors, through, through every avenue possible. Uh, we're constantly looking at other avenues that we can go to reach people. I mean, we, we went out Tuesday night, uh, knocked five blocks, and only three people even answered the door. And I guarantee you there's a lot more home than that, but only three were even willing to answer the door. The rest of them just sit there on their sofa watching their TV and wait for us to go away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so be it preaching on the street, going where the people are, where crowds are, be it, you know, finding, you know, here in, in Tempe area, we have a lot of uh, main events. You know, the, uh, the college football thing happens here. There's always something going on here. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at all those type of avenues, just trying to find more ways to get to people, reach people, talk to people, get them the gospel. And then it goes beyond just our local area in that we've got to get the gospel around the world. Every church is responsible for getting the gospel worldwide. Every Christian is responsible for getting the gospel worldwide. And the only way to the only way any individual Christian can get the gospel worldwide is to be a part of a church that has a worldwide missions program. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. You're not going to get the gospel worldwide otherwise, not, not as an individual. You can't go to every country. You can't learn every language. You can't witness to everybody. Mm-hmm. But Paul made it clear that when we send others in our name and, and we support financially, that those people bear fruit towards our account. Yes. yes. And so the church not just has to have a local vision, but a worldwide vision of getting the gospel out. Amen. And that's the main thing. Uh, beyond that, we find this, that, purpose of the church is for fellowship. You know, in Acts chapter 2, after that group was saved and the Bible says they were baptized and added unto the church, the Bible says they continued in breaking of bread and in fellowship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. You mentioned it. You, you were saved 18, you know, coming out of the world. I'm sure you had a lot of people that, you, that, that were friends of yours that within a short order of time, if you're going to do right, are no longer going to be friends of yours, mostly by their choosing, not yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you, you've got you've got to have 
fellowship. You've got to have friendship somewhere. You've got to have somebody that will stand with you, that is like-minded with you, will encourage you, will correct you and challenge you. And God has given the church for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I always ask people, if you are not, if you are, if your friendships and your, your relationships and your fellowship is not happening within your local church, then where in the world is it happening? Right, right. Yeah. Who are you absolutely. running around with? Who are you spending your time with? Right. Well, you know, you, you know, you need a you need a church family. Everybody needs that. Um, you know, for for several reasons, and I, I just want to touch on that for a moment. But like, um, you know, I, I talk to people and they say, you know, we've been out of church for so long. Okay. Well, who's encouraging you in the Lord then? Who, right. who has been? Who's been? Who's been holding you accountable? For yeah, that's a big one. Life. I mean, you know, that's the problem. We go to church, and and the thing is, there's we identify with a community of people, and there's an expectation upon our lives that you know I'm expecting the guy who's in two two pews, you know, two rows ahead of me, that he doesn't, you know, get caught dealing drugs or whatever, something crazy Absolutely. like that. There's an accountability to that, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, we all need accountability, and we all need. Um, we all need fellowship. We all, you know, because, because we are, we're social creatures and we're influenceable, if I could use that word. And we eventually will become what we are around. Right. And, and you need and to be around thing, godly people. The, the, the mega church movement operates on the exact opposite principle. They, mm. they, they get, they get so many people together yet. Most people don't even know the other person's name that's sitting in the pew in front of them or back of them. There's zero accountability. Nobody knows what anybody's doing. In fact, I was just talking with a young man who, who had been uh, playing and performing in the worship team on, on a stage of a large church in this area. And no one, before he played, here, here was the, the, the test of whether he could play or not. Uh, are you any good? Not when were you saved? Not how are you living your life? There was zero questions about any of that. Mm-hmm. All it was was how well can you strum the strings? Sure, sure. And uh, and I think the verse you used was in Acts chapter two. Is that right about the yeah uh, verse forty two? Yeah, Acts chapter two verse forty two. I want to I want to read that because this is an important thing when you understand the local church and why God gave it. Um, Acts two forty two, uh, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So I believe that was a Baptist church because they were eating. Amen. Amen. So that's a big deal. But, you know, I see there that there's, there's two words in there. There's doctrine and there's fellowship. And the word doctrine actually becomes, comes before the word fellowship. Right. And so it's a place that we learn the doctrines. We, we fellowship with each other and we eat, you know, breaking bread. I believe that's probably uh, more of a picture, more like the ordinances and stuff like that. And then um, also in prayer. So, I mean, you know, Brother Leisure, I have, I have things in my life that I'm facing that, I need other people to bear that with me in yes. prayer, to pray for me about that. And if you're not in church, where's your prayer team? Where, where, where's the people that are praying for you? And, and in that, I mean, that, to me, that's just something that you, you can't replace that with anything else. Right. And that's, that's important. So, you know, you mentioned earlier about Wednesday night or some kind of midweek service. Usually those midweek services in most churches are geared towards prayer. Mm-hmm. Towards prayer requests. That's that's one of the big deals. You know, no, I can't point to any verse in the Bible and say you go to church on Wednesday or Thursday. Sure. But I can also point to a, a verse in the Bible where they were meeting daily. So. Well, I mean, is that, is I, I think, I think daily? Thursday is a pretty a pretty uh, compromised option for uh, for most folks that uh, <laughs> asking them to show up every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and someone said this years ago. He said, "My church family has become my family, and uh, like my family." And so, and I believe that that that's what it ought to be like. It ought you ought to be a close knit group of people. And uh, D.L. Moody used the illustration. A young man came to me one time and says, "You know, what do I do? Where does the Bible say that I have to go to church?" And you know, I I don't ha- I can live the Christian life without going to church and this that the other. Well, D.L. Moody just was around a little fire and he reached in there with a tool and pulled a coal out of the fire and set it aside away from the 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 main fire there. And he said, "Just look at that coal for a minute." And as that coal was away from the fire, it dimmed and got weak and and just in you know in just a minute or two, you could just see the the dimness wearing off that. He's that's what happens when a Christian gets out of church. You, you, you're not able to feed off each other. There's times, brother, I come to church and I'm down, I'm weak. I, I, and, and I'm able to draw strength from other Christian people. And so that fellowship, that is so 
uh, it's it's undermined today, and uh, you know it's 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 something that I have to have. I have to have Christian friends to strengthen me, help me, and bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's so important. Absolutely. And so, um, so we talked about the, uh, you know, the evangelism, we talked about it for fellowship. You know, I, I think that evangelism thing is a big deal because I think a lot of churches today, they're not really as worried about evangelism as they are entertainment. Sure. And uh, that, that's, it's be, it, rather than a preaching spec, you know, a, a preaching event, it's a production. And uh, so we're not supposed to make the gospel acceptable. We're supposed to make it available. And Lynn Ravenhill even said that the church of yesteryear used to be a rescue ship uh, you know, rescuing the parish and caring for the dying. But now the modern church has become a cruise ship full of programs and entertainment value. And it's about, you know, I think I could, I could have a lot of fun if I got on that ship with those people. And really that's not why the Lord Jesus gave the church. So I've said this before in my preaching, Jesus did not go to the cross and shed his blood so that there could be a place in the community for women to practice Pilates every week. Yep. And so it's for evangelism and that. And so you said a fellowship and evangelism. What else has the church been given for? Well, we, we talked about it a little bit, but the, the next purpose is prayer. You know, the church is together, together for prayer for one another, but, but prayer over issues. You know, we find in Acts chapter 12, that's where Peter got locked up in prison and Herod was intending to kill him. Uh, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. And, uh, and they prayed him out of prison. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, and, and prayer with the church goes beyond, you know, just, just having a prayer service sometimes, or, you know, even, even midweeks, you know, oftentimes you go to a midweek prayer service and the service is about 45 minutes of preaching and five to 10 minutes of prayer. Mm. And, uh, and it I'm not against that opposite. if that's what you want to do. Right. And so what we've done uh, for, for years now, we purposed uh, to change that. And so I, you know, I'm a verse by verse preacher. And so I specifically pick books that I can chop things up very small in. And I may have a three-point message out of, out of a section of verses, but I will only preach one of those points on Wednesday night. And so I preach for 25 to 30 minutes, and then we pray for 25 to 30 minutes. Wow. Amen. And, uh, and we've consciously made that decision because I got under conviction calling it Wednesday night prayer meeting when there wasn't no prayer hardly going on. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it's helped. It's helped so much, you know, and with that fasting, not just fasting as individuals, but there ought to be corporate fasting of the church. There was corporate fasting in the Old Testament of Israel. You know, think of Esther. She asked all the Jews to fast and, and God answered and gave that miraculous deliverance because of that. Yeah. There's so much in the area of prayer and fasting that we're missing. And, uh, and, and listen, we've got to get it back. And that's, that's what makes God move. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we need it for our own personal lives. We need it to pray for each other, but we need a corporate prayer life of the church that can move the hand of God, can move, move a church past its difficulties that it's facing, the onslaught of the world, the onslaught of Satan. And, and we need to couple that sometimes with corporate fasting. And again, you can't, you can't, you know, I don't, I don't demand my people do it. The New Testament does not demand you to fast. It's, but it does suppose that you will fast. Hmm. And the truth of the matter is, is Jesus said, this kind cometh forth, but by nothing but prayer and fasting. If you decide not to fast, there are going to be things in your life you will not get the victory over because you're not willing to fast. Right, right. And so I preach it, I teach it, and, and I urge, we set aside one, 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 usually one day, sometimes it's a string of days, but usually one day of month, we set aside as a corporate fasting day for the church. And I, I would venture to say that the majority of our people follow that, probably not all. Um, and, and every month is a different thing. Sometimes it may be for a revival that's coming up. Sometimes I ask them to fast and pray for me. Sometimes I ask them to fast and pray for somebody else in the church that's going through a battle. Just whatever the case may be, it's, it's completely moldable and, and determinable based on the time and the place and what God's doing for us. Maybe it's some need we have in a ministry or some ministry we want, we want to get started. And uh, we, we've got to get back to real prayer, yes, real yes. corporate prayer. Absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. Then there's a there's another purpose, um, and that would be sending and supporting missionaries. Again, we talked about that through the evangelism aspect, but you know the church is to be the one that that, that we see in Acts 13. Uh, Paul is there, just you know Saul at the time, but Paul uh, is serving in the church there, and the Holy Ghost said, "Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them." They were just there doing what they were supposed to do, being good Christians, being good faithful servants, and, and God reached down and called those two men and had a special work for them. And obviously we know what that is when we follow the rest of the Bible. 
Right. And, uh, but, but from that point, they laid hands on them. And in fact, I might, I know they prayed. It might even say, no, I know what it was. They were fasting prior to them getting called, which is an interesting thing. And uh, they laid hands on them and sent them out for that work that God had called them to. And, uh, and we see the rest of the New Testament, what the, what the result was there. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Paul, um, you know, Paul told about the Philippians, how you guys, you know, your care of me has flourished again. And, uh, you know, the, the government is not going to fund missions. It's just not. And uh, any, any government that's funding missions, you need to be run, run away from that very quickly because that's bad. Um, and so where's the money going to come from? Where's the, where's the prayer support for the missionaries? Where, I mean, who's, who, who is Paul supposed to call upon when he went around and preached and got stoned at, at, at Lystra and then got caught up and thrown in jail here and there? I mean, who, who was supposed to be his support team? Well, it's supposed to be the local church. And, uh, and they cared for him and, and took care of him. And, and really, that's how, that's how I survive. Uh, we have donations come in uh, for our ministry. And we live off of that. And, and I believe that, you know, the Lord hath ordained that they who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Yeah. And so the local church is supposed to take care of missionaries and fund mission projects and that type of stuff as well. And uh, so, that, you know, if, if I hear these guys all the time say, well, y'all do y'all to do this for free. And and I yeah, I, I would do it for free. I would do it for free. Yeah, absolutely. But the problem is Delta Airlines won't let me get on the plane for free. <laughs> Got that right. You know, and, and the, the lights, the, the power companies are going to send lights into your church building for free. And, and you know, so that there's the problem. So where's the money going to come from? It has to come from the local church. And so that's a great point. You got anything else on the local church there? The, 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 uh, the purpose of the local church? Yeah, another purpose is the preaching. And, uh, you know, we all need preaching. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 1, 18, for the preaching of the cross is of them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Saved people need preaching. And uh, you could probably give similar testimony, but, you know, I was saved at 14, got into church, got right with God about 2021, and got under good preaching, and my life just began to change. Almost every major decision I've made in my life has been a result of, of a message that I've heard and a decision made at the altar afterwards. And, uh, you know, I was called to preach under preaching. I, I, I got my many things settled in my life and, and sin out of my life as a result of a message that was preached. Yes. And we need preaching. And let's face it, uh, it's hard enough to find a church that will preach, uh, let alone not being in church at all or, or neglecting the church. Uh, you're, you're not going to get preaching. And and, it, and listen, I, you know, I get it. We live in the day of the internet and everything else. And, and I'm not against all of that. Uh, but I'm against somebody only getting that because, because yeah. I'm going to tell you something, you can turn, you can turn the computer off when he makes you mad or says something you didn't like. Mm. You can't turn that guy off standing in, in front of you 10 feet away. <laughs> He's going to keep on going and he might even start looking at you a little harder. Yeah. Uh, you know, depending on how you're receiving it. And so, Right. Uh, we, we need preaching and yes. it, 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 our, a physical presence. And listen, I've got guys that listen to preaching on the internet all the time and things as they're doing work and different things. Cause that helps us and that bolsters us. But, but they'll all tell you that they don't listen to preaching all week and then miss Sunday because mm. they want to hear the preacher preach and they, and they, they know they need it and they, they want to be challenged and they want that book open for them. Sure. Sure. And, absolutely. Uh, so we, the church has been given for preaching. The church has been given for giving. You know, there's got to be, there's got to be a place, you know, you talked about supporting missions and all of that. All of that is to be done through the local church. We find in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul's uh, taking up an offering. It's actually an offering that's going to go back to, to the church in Jerusalem because they were struggling and hurting there. Uh, but he told them that, that as they gathered together upon the first day of the week, they were to lay in store by them. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the collection was to be taken there. And, uh, you know, the best way to give is systematically and consistently. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll be surprised at the end of the year what you were able to accomplish financially for the Lord and, and giving to the church. But uh, I would do it for free. Listen, for the, for the majority of, of, of my ministry, I have, I have worked a job. Mm -hmm. I don't complain about that. I, I did not raise support to come out here. I raised about six months of support. I called about 10 guys that I knew personally. They knew me personally. Got some money from them. My home church kicked in some. And I think by the end of the first year, maybe a year and a half, I had canceled all support. I came out here. God told me to come out here and work a job and start a church. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying everybody needs to do that, but that's what God told me to do. 
and, and I've worked the job for, for the majority of the time that I've been here. I still do some stuff on the side even now. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, uh, but all that being said, the church is forgiving because this, the ministry doesn't operate for free. Sure. And, uh, you know, it costs money to, to, to print Bibles and tracts and, and, and Johns and Romans. Uh, and it costs money. Listen, it, if a church wants to meet out in a park somewhere and, and forego the air conditioning and the lights and, and all the comforts, you know, whether you're sitting in the cold or sitting in the heat like you would be here, then fine, do that. But if you like the comfort of air condition and lights and, and you know, a, a, a amplified sound and all of that, then somebody's got to pay for all that. And, and God's ordained it that the Christians that are part of that church are to give faithfully, systematically to support all of that mm-hmm. so they can enjoy the benefit of it and so the gospel can get around the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, let's do this. Let's talk about, um, you know, we talked about the priority and the purpose, but uh, let's talk about the purity of the church. And, you know, you saw the third Adam video and what I'm seeing is that everything's starting to blend. And, uh, you know, every, you know, we have so many shades of gray, if I could use that term today. It's just everything's just a big blot. Everything's blending and everything's together. But uh, the Lord said that my church is to be pure. My church is to be holy. Be holy as I am holy. And the word holy means to be set apart. I mean, it's, it's not part of everything else. It is its own separate thing. And it's, it's, and we're supposed to keep the distance and keep a lot of that stuff out, not because we think we're better than them, but we believe that the local church is not a religion among religions and that Christianity is not a religion among religions. It is the truth. And we don't mix truth with error. And so right. What does the Bible say about the purity of the church? Well, Jesus said it best in Ephesians chapter 5 and uh, verse number 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, Mm. that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. And uh, that is not talking about somebody keeping a building clean. That is talking about uh, the people of God keeping themselves clean as they gather and organize together. And, and uh, the church is to be pure. And truth of the matter is, is uh, purity will hurt the unity of a church. And uh, purity will hurt the, 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 the effectiveness and the power of the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, a church must strive to be pure. And listen, there's a difference between a church striving to be pure and a church striving to be perfect. There is no perfect church. Wow. Because it's made up of imperfect people. Mm. And, and listen, uh, if we say we have no sin, then we're a liar. Sure. And, uh, but all that being said, uh, a church corporately must strive for purity. And there's several areas of it. Uh, well, Obviously, number one. Let me give a, me give a yeah. cross reference here to what you just said, and I want to I want to just give this real quick, and then uh, give it back to you here. But uh, you talked about in Ephesians five, verse twenty five and twenty six. He said that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And um, and and the phrase there it says without having spot or wrinkle. Okay. That's, that's the purity of the church. Like I have a shirt on here, but if I were just to go sling mud across this shirt, it would have spots and blemishes on it. Okay. Well, I mean, I cross-referenced that with James chapter one and it talks about being spotted and having spots. And it says in James chapter one, pure religion and undefiled before God and the father is this, the visit of the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted, from the world. And so the world is a spot that is on, on the, on the bride of Christ is not what God wants. We're supposed to be unspotted from the world. And, and really the, the church should not be like the world. It should not act like the world, dress like the world, look like the world. There should be a clear line of demarcation. There should be a difference. Church people should not dip snuff and drink beer and listen to the same music and act the same way that the world's people do because the church is supposed to be a pure thing. And uh, Brother Leisure, go ahead with that. I just want to throw that out there before we went any farther. Yeah, no, good. And I'm glad you did. And, uh, you know, I guess let me clarify also that 
you know, when we speak of purity, obviously we're not speaking of perfection, but uh, we're also not speaking about out outward conformity either. And even, even in some churches, uh, the purity goes no farther than skin deep. Yeah. And, uh, and it, is, it is no more than Jesus looking at the Pharisees and saying, you know, listen, you're, you're whited sepulchers. The outside looks nice, but the inside's full of dead men's bones. Mm. And uh, we, we have got to strive as pastors and, and as, as, uh, as a church uh, to, to truly preach a transformation, not just a, not just a, a conforming. Mm. And uh, God always works from the inside out when he does something. Yeah. And, uh, and listen, when, once you get someone's heart right, everything else will get right. Mm. And, uh, and so we've got to strive for transformation. And that's what we're missing in a lot of cases. People may look right. They may have the uh, quote unquote right haircut, the right dress, uh, all of this. But inside their heart is desperately wicked. And, uh, and it is full of all kinds of ideas and worldly influence. And listen, that stuff's going to come out no matter what you're wearing on the outside. Yeah. And that's the problem we have. We've got to clean it out on the inside. And that takes the word of God. And so uh, if, if we're going to get a true purity, a purity that, that strives from the heart and from the inside out, uh, it, it begins by having a church having pure doctrine. Mm. Doctrine has to be pure. And I think you already mentioned in the beginning that the church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. That's where truth is to reside. And Paul made it clear in Romans 16 and verse 17 that we are to mark them which cause divisions among us. And, and um, looking for it here. Uh, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Well, now, wait a minute. That, that sounds unloving and unkind. We're supposed to embrace and love everybody regardless of what they believe, Brother Leisure. Yeah, I know. I know. I know that's what the world thinks the majority of Christians think, but it's not what Paul said, and it's not what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say. Exactly. And, uh, and so, uh, we, you know, the Bible determines our doctrine. You know, again, we talked about all these churches having all these different beliefs, and it's because they don't believe the Bible, or they're resting the scriptures to their own destruction. And so the Bible is in, in my church, and there I was, my church, <laughs> the, church that I, the church that I'm a member at, church that the Lord's given me to pastor, and I'm sure the church uh, that you are a member of, uh, our doctrinal statement wraps up this way. The Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. In other words, it determines our doctrine. It determines everything we do. If that's really the case, then we are going to uh, we should find that true churches and true Christianity is for the most part in, in a pretty, pretty solid unity. There's obviously room for differences and things and the Bible's not a hundred percent clear on everything. And, uh, and, and therefore, you know, for instance, Bible doesn't even tell you how to conduct a church service, which means there's liberty to conduct a church service within the confines of scripture, how you want to. It doesn't say, you know, sing three hymns and then give announcements and do all of this and do all that however you want and uh, not even have announcements if you want. And, uh, but uh, that doctrine ought to be the steadfast thing, and churches should be known by their, churches are known by their doctrine. Mm -hmm. If you go to a charismatic church, it's because you have charismatic doctrine in that church. Well, if you go to a Catholic church, it's because they believe Catholic doctrine. Mm -hmm. And I, I find this knocking doors. Most people that are involved in the churches, whatever churches they're involved in, don't even know what their church really believes. Yeah, they have no idea. And that's something that, that just astounds me. When you read First and Second Timothy, Paul's writing you know, to his protege, Timothy in the faith, and he never undermines or demeans doctrine. He actually emphasizes it and take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. Yeah. Um, you know, By this, you will save yourself and them that hear thee. Not talking about a, a spiritual salvation as in his soul, but talking about the saving of the life and the preserving of the life and a life lived for God. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and that's the thing. Doctrine, doctrine is a good thing. And I, I see churches marketing themselves, you know, come on over here. We don't have any doctrine. Well, that's, that's lunacy to say that. I mean, walls. It has four walls and a door. Yeah. I mean, that's like saying, come on over to my, to my hospital. We don't have any medicine. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's not, I mean, what are you, what are you talking about, man? Doctrine is what makes us a church is what makes us, it even defines what kind of church we are. Absolutely. And so to demean and to miss, dismiss that is, is really, it's, it's, I don't, I just don't think people realize even what they're saying. Um, now I've been on the whole, uh, on my channel a couple of times, I have hit the whole idea of a non-denominational church. 
And uh, what people think that means is they think that means that we don't have a specific doctrine that we hold ourselves to. We just believe the Bible. And that's, that's really nonsense because non-denominational either means one of two things. Either it means that they're an independent church, they're not part of a denominational hierarchy, or it means that, you know, that they are, don't believe anything. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and the systematizing of Bible beliefs is, is important because labels are important, okay? I don't go to the medicine cabinet and grab, you know, if I have a stomach problem, I'm not going to grab Advil and, you know, take that because I, I want something that is specific for what I need. Absolutely. And so those labels are important. And so doctrine is is needs to be pure. We don't need to let just people walk in the door and join the church and run the church who believe crazy things. And, and that's really with my channel with Hillsong and Bethel and Paula White and all these charismatic people, I have been forcing people to say what, okay, look beyond the music for five seconds. Okay. Unplug your mind from the emotional euphoria of what these people are saying and how good it makes you feel. And let's go look at the, what these people actually believe. And when you realize that Bethel Church believes in fire tunnels, they believe that they can actually resurrect dead toddlers. Uh, when you get into Hillsong, you realize that they believe that that the Christians and the Muslims actually worship the same God. We just call them different names. You get the doctrinal things that these people believe and practice. Whoa, abs- you, have, you have to pull away from these people. And so doctrine is a big, big deal today. And, it, you know, for those to undermine doctrine, I don't know what Bible you're reading. You're not reading the same one that I am. Right. And I will, I will add the doctrine, and then we can move on. But I will add the doctrine this. Interesting thing, in Titus chapter 2, the Bible says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And then the whole rest of that chapter has nothing to do with the blood of Christ, the cross of Calvary, or, or, or the Godhead. It has everything to do with how someone lives. Mm, yeah. And so right living is also right doctrine. Sure. And a church sure. better preach both. Because what we have, we live in a day where a church may have correct doctrine in that they, 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 they believe uh, in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. They believe the Holy Spirit is God. They believe, they believe correct doctrine, but then there is no sound practice of life that, that puts a stamp of approval on that correct doctrine. That's, what, that's when doctrine becomes sound doctrine, is when there's a life and a consistency that puts a stamp of approval on that correct doctrine it becomes sound doctrine it takes both parts mm, wow wow and, and if you notice the word sound doctrine that's singular yeah and, uh, there's one right doctrine faith, once delivered it. to the saints mm-hmm. there's there's a million roads to error but there's only one road to truth and so i amen. like that amen and then you know as we talk about obviously uh purity in the church it goes beyond doctrine to the, the issue of sin and worldliness and, uh, and again, it's, it's not trying to be sinlessly perfect or anything else. We all have sin. We get that. And, uh, but we all ought to also be striving against sin. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And, and so there, there ought to be a, a rejection of it and, and, a, and a wanting to get victory over sin. And we don't see that in a lot of churches anymore. People are content in their sin, content to be in. And churches and pastors are content to let people be in their sin. Yeah, sure. And it doesn't, it doesn't set that standard to get them any further. And of course, you know, the Bible goes as far to say that we're not even to love the world, mm. neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, love of the Father is not in him. Mm. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Mm. It's not of God. And, uh, and so, obviously, Jesus taught this. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. Yes. And which means there, there's to be a clear line. There ought to be a clear line in the way that I live, the way that I act, the things that I say, the things that I do, the things that I don't do, the places I go, the places I don't go, the way that I dress, the way that I won't dress. There has to be a clear line. Listen, I want somebody to look at me and, and have, here's the thing, there, there's no way I can dress, act, or anything else other than stand on a, pre, a street corner preaching the gospel where somebody can just look at me and say, okay, that person's a Christian. Mm -hmm. But here's what I want. I don't want anything in my life, anything I do, anything I say, any appearance that I may give in my life. I don't want anything or any part of my life to cause somebody to question whether I could be a Christian or not. Absolutely. And you know, when I went to Peachtree Road Baptist Church in Swanee, Georgia, when I first got saved, um, that was the first group of Christians I had ever met 
that didn't listen to the same music that I did, didn't live the same way that I did. I, I, I didn't even know these people existed. And that was one thing that drew me to that. Um, you know, people say, well, you know, how are we going to reach the young people if we don't do this, 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 and they name off worldly things? Well, I was a young person and I was reached and I was drawn to a church that wasn't that way. You see what I mean? And, and so they're like, well, you know, if you don't, if you don't do this, 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 how are you going to reach people? Well, that's the point. We don't do this, 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 and that makes us different. And that's, that's the attraction is that, you know, we, you know, we're not being different because we're weirdos. We have too many weirdos today already. Okay. We're not weirdos. We're not, we don't not go to those places because we're just weird, but God has done something inside of us, inside of our heart and changed our appetite so much that the evidence of that is how we live. We don't live just like everybody else. And it's not like we're better than everybody else. We're not being Pharisees. We're not being whatever. We're just saying that God has done such a thing inside of my heart that I don't desire to go to the Metallica concert anymore. I don't desire to go to the bars and get drunk anymore. God's done something in me. This is what, it's not a, this is what my church is forcing me to do, or this is what my pastor is forcing me to do. It becomes a, this is what I want to do. And that's the difference between transformation and, and being conformed. Absolutely. And, and that's really what we're talking about. And people get so frustrated with this stuff. And, uh, you know, and I, I, listen, I, people are on different levels and they're different stages. I, I, I do not be judgmental or condescending about that. I, I don't view the fact that I don't do this, this, this as a mark of pride. Uh, some right. preachers do. I've heard guys say, you know, bless the Lord. I haven't been to the movie theater in this many years. And, and, and they're proud of that. And, uh, you know, I heard a man say a while back, he said, this whole internet thing, it's, it's straight out of hell. I don't even know how to turn on a computer. And he was trying to, he's trying to portray to the congregation that I'm righteous because I don't know how to turn on a computer. Well, that's just being a Pharisee. And then really that's a dumb statement to make anyway. Okay. What, what kind of guy doesn't know how to turn on a computer? You know? I mean, uh, but, but we're just saying that God has done something in us and the evidence of that is in how we live. And we're not pharisaical and we're not legalistic. We just believe that, yep. you know, if a person gets saved and gets right with God, the character of God will work in them and, and be seen through their life and you won't be the same person anymore. Yeah. Partakers of the divine nature and that ought to work exactly. itself out. And, uh, and then, you know, I think there's a third area that's often overlooked when it comes to purity of the church and that is purity within relationships. And what I mean by that is the relationships of one member to another within that congregation. Sure. First uh, Peter one twenty two says, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth. So there's salvation. That that's the one thing we all have in common. The, the, the way that the reason a church can operate with all kinds of different people, different nationalities, different backgrounds, different quirks is because our common bond is Jesus Christ. Yep. And it says, uh, seeing, um, seeing you purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Mm. And, uh, there has to be a purity in love towards one another. There has to be a purity in our motives towards one another. In other words, I'm not trying to use my brother or sister in Christ for any kind of advantage for me. Yeah. Other than, you know, uh, if they can glean from me or I can disciple them or something. But I'm not trying to use them as people in the world use each other. Mm-hmm. There has to be a, a purity in our care for one another. There has to be a genuine desire to see the betterment of our brother and sister in Christ. Yes. I'm not trying to use anybody and even me. And listen, it, it happens with the pastor and the member. And I, I got news for you. The pastor is nothing but a member of that church. He's just the one that's been called to lead that thing. Mm. And, yeah. and if, if, if a pastor is not careful, he will use the membership. He will take advantage of the membership. And that ought not to be. Hmm. Wow. There ought to be a same care one for another. Yeah. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get something out of anybody. I'm trying to get God to get something out of somebody. Sure, sure. And, and, you know, people like to use the church rather than let the church use them. Absolutely. And that's the it, it's no different than the person that calls on the phone three times a month and says, well, you know, I don't have no money to pay my electric bill. Will you help me? Mm-hmm. And, and, but they had money to pay their cell phone and their new car and their cigarettes and their alcohol. But all of a sudden they want to run to the church when they, when they need their light bill put, 
pay. Yeah. Why don't you go ask the bartender to pay your light bill? Cause that's where most of your check went. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we had a woman show up at our church. Her hair was done up real nice. Her nails were done nice. She's driving a, a nice Chrysler and came to, I mean, nice clothes and, and, and walked in the church and asked if we could pay your light bill for her. And I'm thinking, no, we don't, uh, we don't do that here. <laughs> right. And it's not that I'm against helping people because we, we are to help people and there, but, but, you got to be wise about what you do. Sure. And uh, and because there's a there's a lot of people in this world that will not darken the door of a church until they need something like that, and then they'll never darken the door of a church again until they need something like that. They just want to use it. Absolutely. And, and far be it from us as as Bible believing Christians and as part of a church to want to use one another and take advantage of one another for our own selfish reasons or our own personal gain or to lift ourselves up against one another. But, but that kind of stuff goes on all over the place and it's killing us and destroying us. Yeah, we got to be careful of that kind of stuff. And so um, the, the purity of the church is what we're talking about here. Purity in doctrine, purity in motive. Uh, what else, what other aspects of the purity of church need to be talked about? Well, here's the thing. I, I think that's it. But the, the real issue then becomes is, okay, if we recognize that, that these areas have to be pure, then how do we get it pure and how do we keep it pure? Hmm. Yeah. And uh, obviously, number one is the word of God. We saw it in the first verse that by the washing of water, by the word. Mm-hmm. And uh, the word of God has to be preached and taught consistently and faithfully. Uh, you know, every every now and then, well, hopefully once a day, but for some folks, every now and then, you know, you just you just get outside and, uh, you know, you, you get involved in something, you're changing a tire, whatever else, you're down in the dirt, maybe you're playing football, whatever else, you know what you need, you need to come in and get a hot shower and just get cleaned up. Hmm. And that's what that's what preaching needs to be at the local church. Sometimes yeah. you just need to come in and just get hosed down and hosed off and get the barnacles off and get get some things cleaned up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why the that's why the word of God needs to be preached the way the Bible says it needs to be preached and not sure. talk. Sure. Not, not not give a lecture, not sit on a stool, but get up and preach that word of God uncompromisingly and let the chips fall where they may. And if the power of God is in it and those people's hearts have a desire for God in any form or fashion at all, it's going to work. It will not return void, yes. but it can't work if you don't use it. Sure. Sure. And obviously there has to be a personal relationship with the Bible as well. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed thereto, speaking of the word. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the word of God is there to, to, to bring purity and to keep us pure. But I'll say this, especially as a pastor, I think sometimes we are careless about our membership. In other words, if you want to keep purity in the church, you've got to uphold a biblical membership. And obviously a biblical membership is predicated upon a a genuine conversion, which in the end, the only person you know is saved is you. There should be some fruit there that there's some salvation people. And there at least better be some kind of testimony that they can verbalize their salvation. Sure, sure. Because most people in other churches, I mean, knocking doors, I ask people, tell me when you got saved. Well, uh, they can't. They can't. A lot uh, of them. Obviously, they have to be scripturally baptized. They have to have submitted to scriptural baptism. And then I believe this, that, that a person, before they become a member, a lot of guys will stop there. And I say this, we have a doctrinal statement, a statement of faith for a reason. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a commitment to that doctrinal statement. Now, I get it. If a person's new in Christ, uh, you know, that's different. But but the problem is we have so many people coming from other churches to other churches. Mm, yeah. I've said this many times that I've, I've watched a lot of church churches be planted in this valley since I've been here. And the average church planner does not come out here and plant a church. He reorganizes three or four other churches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, getting all the leftovers and the splinters and putting them together and making a big And then calling that a church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we had a guy do that here in this town. And huh. uh, we're in Kentucky, and he's got every – Every spiritual crazy in America, in this in this region went to him, and now he's you know he built the fastest growing church in Kentucky. Uh, no, so and so when you get the you know obviously a new convert, there, there's much grace, there's much understanding, and we have to allow for growth in grace. And they may not understand every doctrine, and we don't expect them to. That's why they're there to be taught those doctrines. Mm-hmm. But when we got people coming in from the outside that desire to join our church because they moved to the area or because they got mad at the guy across the street, mm-hmm. brethren, we've got to be careful. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, there has to be a commitment to what you are and what your church is and what that doctrine, and not just the doctrinal statement of the church, but the direction of the church. Hmm. Because we live in a day where even an independent Baptist movement, you can walk in and there's 31 different flavors, friend. Oh yeah, I've learned that in traveling. There's so many different kinds, and uh, and and so many. And they're not all bad, but they're also not all good. Yeah, sure, sure. There's some that you can see leanings and that type of stuff, and uh, you know, I try to be careful about that type of stuff. I, I, I you know, some good guys that are they're good guys, but they're going a, a direction that I don't feel comfortable with, and so you have to be, yeah. you have to watch that. I understand. You know, Paul warned the church at Ephesus. He said, "After my departing, grievous wolves shall enter in." And even from your own cells will arise. Listen, it's impossible to completely check, check, protect the church because sometimes from the inside, people arise. Mm-hmm. Sure. But far be it, we let in people from the outside that are going to end up hindering us. We, we, we so desire more people and, ooh, another giver and another this and another teacher or whatever else that we allow people in that we maybe should have never allowed in. They should be going to the church down the street and not us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've got to realize that and see that and be willing to pay that price for what we truly want, which is a local New Testament church that is pure and will honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ without a bunch of conflict and, and bickering and, and fighting the direction of the pastor. We create so much of our own problems. Mm. It's, it's sad. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And church membership is something that's not new. I mean, that if you study old Protestant history, a lot of them, uh, they, they'd have to have a meeting with the pastor before they could even take communion and, you know, like a Presbyterian church or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, a, a church well, it's definitely degraded over the years, the, the idea of it. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, this is, this is something that is biblical and, uh, you know, just for a guy just walking off the street and say, I think I'd like to join this church uh, and just say, okay, well, you're a member. Congratulations. I mean, that, that that's really not Bible. The, the doctrinal purity of the church and the moral character of the church needs to be pure. And, and you can't do that with just everybody. And so it's not like some sort of exclusive club, but there are requirements that have to be met to be a member of a local church. Right. And in other words, here's the bottom line is your church. It ought to mean something to be a member of the church you're a member of. Yes. And the only way it's going to mean something is if, is if it's serious, we're Mm -hmm. looking for people that are committed and love the Lord that are truly saved, truly committed to him, go in our direction. Mm -hmm. And if that means some people can't be a member here at East Valley Baptist church, then so be it. There's plenty of other options out here. Go find one. Absolutely. It's not that I don't love them. And listen, it's not that I don't, I want every single person in this valley to come to the biblical positions that I'm at. Mm -hmm. But I've also realized that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, if you don't, if you want to come our way, then man, come here and we will give you grace and time and allow the Lord to work in your heart so that you can come our way. But if you're not interested in coming our way, then you need to be interested in some other church. Sure. Sure, absolutely. And that's that's where we've drawn the line. It means something. You talk to our folks, it means something to be a member here. It's precious and they love it and they love one another. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we had a situation a few years back where there was potentially going to be some folks coming from another church, just a bad situation, and we were going to try and help that church in different things. And, and our members, our members, their greatest concern was that the, the bickering and the spirit and everything in that other church was going to be absorbed into ours. That was their greatest concern is that we mm. would lose it. And I, and I promised them, I already had a plan put together to keep that from happening. And I promised them, I said, I will not allow that to happen. I will allow that this whole plan to fall apart and go by the wayside before we sacrifice what we have here for the sake of, you know, a few more people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's wonderful, brother. Well, why don't you do this? Um, you know, let's let's go ahead and just tell everybody your church name, where they can find you, the email address, and give them all that information. And uh, I actually have a lot of people contact me from the Phoenix area, and I know I've sent some families your way, and uh, we thank God for, for that. Uh, but go ahead and tell, us, tell folks where they can get a hold of you and, and your email maybe, and then your church name, address, location, times, all that. Because I just tell, if somebody's watching this and says, you know, I, I like Brother Leisure. What can I do to go to his church? Tell us how to do that. All right. Well, we are, we're East Valley Baptist Church, Tempe, Arizona, and our phone number is 480-235-6963. Our website is East Valley, B is in Baptist, C is in church.com. So eastvalleybc.com. Our email is info 
at eastvalleybc.com. And uh, we meet Sundays uh, for Sunday school at 9.30 and uh, 10.30 service, 6.30 service. Then on Wednesday nights, we meet for a seven o'clock service. Uh, each service is unique and different in that it has a little bit different direction. Um, I preach verse by verse through different books of the Bible, usually a different book, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night is what we're doing. Occasionally mm -hmm. we deviate from that to deal with some kind of series of topics or something like that. But a lot of that's done in Sunday school. And then, um, you know, we're, we're not a huge church, but, but we're a strong church. We're, we're a genuine church. We've got a lot of folks that really love the Lord, want to do right, and, and will help you to grow and do right. And, mm -hmm. and we'll be, uh, will be what a Christian is supposed to be for another Christian and will be a church member like they're supposed to be. And uh, so if you're in the area out here and you're looking for a place or you're looking to get out of the place that you're in because you don't like the direction of the compromise, then, uh, then I would, I would suggest checking us out. And, uh, you know, obviously you've, you've watched the video and you know where I, where I stand on things. And, uh, we, we take a hard line on a lot of issues and, uh, we, we refuse to compromise as a church. We don't desire that. Uh, we are, we are trying to walk in the old paths and, uh, mm -hmm. I want to walk in a path that is proven, not a path that I don't know where it ends. Sure. Sure. And, uh, and, the, and the only path that you know, the end to is an old one. And yeah. uh, so we stick with the book, we stick with the old ways, and uh, we ask God to bless it. Yeah, and there's so many people today trying to redefine Christianity, and it doesn't need to be redefined, it needs to just be redone. Yeah, and, well, uh, you quoted Brother Ravenhill earlier, and Leonard Ravenhill said this, we do not need a new definition of Christianity, we need a new demonstration of Christianity. Absolutely. That's, what we, are attempting, that's what we are attempting to do, to demonstrate real biblical Christianity. Amen. Well, I saw a flyer a while back and said, this ain't your granny's church, and I thought, oh Lord, we need granny's church now more than we ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so, well, thank you, Brother Leisure, for coming on today, and uh, you folks who are watching, if you'll help us out, like this video, and share it with your friends, and uh, subscribe to our channel. We're going to try to bring much more good content like this. We're going to have Brother Leisure on again before too long. And uh, yeah, we keep great. talking about the church. I got I got ton more content on, on going down the train that we just went if we want to go down that way again. So. Absolutely. Well, we'd love to do that, brother. Well, guys, check out Brother Leisure's Church if you're in the uh, the Phoenix area there, that that whole big area. Man, just love that, that region. That's a great part of the world. Amen. And uh, so check him out there. And uh, he gave all the information there. You can go back and watch the video. Check all that out. So God bless you, friends. Subscribe to our channel. And, uh, and we'll do many more videos just like this in the near future. So thank you, Brother Leisure, for coming on. We appreciate you, man. Thank you, Brother Smith. Good, good talking with you. Amen.